All right, let's pray and we'll jump in. Father God, I pray that you just speak to us through your word today. I pray that you give us hearts that are ready to hear. And I pray that you help me to be ready to preach. And God, I pray that you just let the Spirit speak in this place today and through me and to each one of us. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a quick introduction to what brought us to this point in Hebrews. The author of Hebrews is trying to give the people that he's writing to some encouragement to stand firm in the Lord. That's a, that's a really brief summary, but that's basically what the book is about. The people are being tempted to do lots of, lots of things that are going to turn them away from the Lord. Uh, worshiping angels or going back to the old way of sacrificing things. And the author of Hebrews is saying, look, don't turn back to your old ways. There's no hope in your old ways in the old things. The hope is in Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah that has been promised and prophesied and he has finally come. And so that's kind of a, just a real, real broad general overview as to what the book of Hebrews is about. Now, in these verses we're going to look at today, the author is, is, is bringing us back to Abraham. <coughs> Excuse me. It's bringing us back to Abraham. And that's what uh, we're going to see in chapter 6, verse 13. That's where we'll start in just a second in verse 13. The, uh, the author is bringing uh, the attention back to Abraham and the promise that was uh, to come through Abraham eventually. Now, this is not an uncommon thing that we see in Scripture, uh, in particular in the book of Hebrews, uh, going back to Abraham or going back to something that Abraham did because many of the people... Uh, at least some of the people, uh, were wanting to go back to the law, to the sacrificial system. We see that continually throughout all of the New Testament, and in particular here in the book of Hebrews. And the author of Hebrews is saying, no, we don't live under the law anymore. We live under Jesus Christ. Therefore, don't go back to Moses. And so and to get them to not go back to Moses and the law, he goes back further than Moses. He says, look, you're, you're trying to live by what Moses said and what happened with Moses, but look, go back even further. Go back to Abraham. Go back before the law ever came into existence. And then you can see what God's ultimate purpose was, what God's promises were. These things came to be before God ever gave the law. And so we knew that the law wasn't the end-all, be-all, and we even see that prior to the giving of the law in the, uh, in, the, in the Old Testament with Abraham. And so we sometimes see people go back to Abraham in the New Testament. They're going back before the law. Now, the author of Hebrews here is trying to get people to not focus on the sacrificial system and sacrificing blood and goats and things that won't ever amount to anything. But he's saying, trust in the Lord for the promise that he made. That promise that he made uh, was made through Abraham and it has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And that's what these verses, as we begin today in verse 13, uh, that's, the, that's the, the mindset that we uh, can, can kind of have as we get into these verses to help us understand what's going on. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself. I will indeed bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham obtained the promise. For men swear by something greater than themselves, and for them a confirming oath ends every dispute. 
Now, he's saying here that, look, this was serious. God made this promise to Abraham. God had promised Abraham in the book of Genesis, if you want to go back and read Genesis chapter 15 and the the chapters following, God had promised Abraham that he was going to bless him, that through Abraham that, that, that he would be the father of many nations and that everyone would be blessed through Abraham. Now, God made this promise with Abraham, and this promise was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That is, through Abraham's descendants, it would eventually get us through all these family trees and all these things, and eventually we would get to Jesus Christ. Now, God blessed his people in the Old Testament. We see that continually. We see that God blessed the Israelites. God desired to take care of the Israelites. And there were even some others that that heard of God and and became Israelites. Now they weren't by blood, but they said, "Hey, we want to uh, we want to come and and be part of what you're doing." Sometimes deceitfully so, uh, but even still, God was gracious to those who would fear Him and those who would come to Him, even though they weren't descendants. Now God was going to bless Israel in the Old Testament as He did, but He also wanted to bless everybody else too. That is, the Gentiles, as we see them referred to in the New Testament. That is, everybody that's not born with Jewish blood in their veins. Now, that may or may not be you and I. I suppose we can trace our family trees back far enough, and maybe we've got some Jewish blood in our veins, but it's not pure Jewish blood by any means at this point because uh, people marry people all throughout the generations. So we would likely be categorized as Gentiles. We are those who receive the promise through Jesus Christ. Now, we weren't promised anything because we weren't Israel. But upon Jesus Christ coming, God had fulfilled everything that he promised to Israel. And then the promise spread to everyone. It was first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. So that's you and I. So through Abraham's seed, through his descendants, ultimately Jesus Christ, all nations have been blessed. That is, any person from any people group in any country and anywhere in the world can have salvation through Jesus Christ. And that was the promise. That was the promise that God made to Abraham, and that promise has been fulfilled. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying. Hey, look, don't go back to the old ways. Don't go back to the sacrificial system, but know that the promise made to Abraham has been fulfilled. And know you can trust the one who made the promise. God is the one who made the promise. God swore by himself. It says here in the text that uh, for men swear by something greater than themselves. Now, I don't think we need to make a habit of swearing, but sometimes you may hear people say, I swear on my mother's grave, or they will say something that they consider to be sacred or important. And there's no way I would joke about this. This is a serious thing. This is greater than anything in my life, and so I swear by this so you know how serious I am. Now, we shouldn't have to swear. Our yes should be yes, and our no should be no. But God swore by himself. There's no one greater than God. God couldn't say, I swear by this or by that. Instead, God swore by himself, and he made an oath between he and Abraham. Because God's promise was serious. God wanted to make sure that Abraham knew his promise was serious. And the promise in no way was dependent on what Abraham was going to do. Because God swore by himself. He made an oath to himself. It wasn't dependent on Abraham. This promise was solely dependent on God and God alone. Because God and God alone was the only one who was able to fulfill this promise. In verse 17, 
Because God wanted to show His unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, He guaranteed it with an oath. So He made the promise, and as if that wouldn't be good enough, if God says, I promise you I'm going to do this, well, that's good enough for me if God says I'm going to promise something. But God wanting to, to assure and show, not only did He make the promise, but He also made an oath that he guaranteed this promise with an oath. <clears throat> in verse 18, so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Uh, two unchangeable things, it's impossible for God to lie. He made a promise and he made an oath and God doesn't lie. The author of Hebrews remind us, reminds us of this. It is impossible for God to lie. So if God has made the promise that he's going to bless Abraham and all nations through Abraham ultimately, and he sealed that, he guaranteed that by an oath, then we can, we can, we can bank on those two things. Those, it's impossible for God to lie. So if God said he's going to do it, he is going to do it. Now, the author of Hebrews is trying to make sure the people understand that because they were wanting to go back to the old sacrificial system. They were wanting to go back to the old ways as if somehow Jesus Christ who had come was not good enough. He's reminding them, no, the promise has already been made. Jesus is that promise, and Jesus is perfect. He is good enough. There is nothing else that's good enough because Jesus is perfect. So that two one through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. So he says, based on this promise, based on knowing that God is a God of his word, based on knowing that the promise has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, therefore, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. Now, we are all seeking refuge. We're seeking refuge from our sin, from our situations, from things that go on in our life, from the hardships that we experience and the difficulties that we experience and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and uh, the, the ultimate uh, punishment and penalty that's going to be put on us for our sins if we don't have Jesus Christ. Therefore, we need to flee for refuge. That refuge is found in Jesus Christ. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is the one that protects us. He is the one that forgives us from our sinfulness. <clears throat> Therefore, based on the promise, the same promise that God made to Abraham that was true for these people, that same promise is true for you and I. Therefore, we need to seek refuge. We need to flee to refuge. We need to find encouragement in that promise. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. So what is the hope that is set before us? The hope that is set before us is Jesus Christ. He goes on to say that here in a couple of verses. Who he is talking about in this whole passage, he's talking about Jesus Christ. And so when we look out into the world and when we say, God, is anything ever going to get better? Are things ever going to get better? I got all these struggles. I see all this evil in the world. God, are you really going to come back? Are you really going to make all things right? When we ask that question, we can, we can answer it ourselves. Yes. 
Yes, God is going to return. God is going to make all things right. God is going to create a new heavens and a new earth. God is going to, 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 to gather up those who are His and bless them and take care of them for all of eternity. Yes, God is going to do that. And how is He able to do that? Through Jesus Christ. Therefore, when we look out and we say, boy, this world seems hopeless, all we have to do is look in God's Word and we are reminded of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And the author of Hebrews says, Seize the hope that is set before you. Jesus Christ is set before us in God's Word. When we read God's Word, when we hear it preached to us, when we hear it sung to us in songs, we are presented with that hope. That hope is sitting right in front of us. And that hope is Jesus Christ. And there is no hope in anyone else or anything else in this world, even though we may sometimes look for hope in other ways. We may look for it in drugs, alcohol, and finances, and relationships, and our, and our wealth, uh, and, our, and our fame. Uh, whatever it may be, we may look for hope in those things, but we won't find it. Because the hope that we need is set before us. It's set before us in God's Word. It's set before us in Jesus Christ on the cross. Therefore, knowing that God is a God who will keep His promises, and God is a God who will ultimately deliver His people, and God is a God who has provided the hope that we need to get us through all the heartache, all the worry, all the fear, all the addiction, all the struggle, all the anger, all the pain, everything that we need, Jesus Christ is the hope for that. Therefore, if we want to overcome those things, we must seize the hope that is set before us. God has not hidden this hope from us. He has not said, okay, there's some hope in something in this world, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Go find it. you got your whole lifetime to find it. Good luck. God doesn't hide His hope from us. He puts it on display. The hope that we have was nailed to a cross, and it's easy for us to see in the very words of God. Therefore... If you're struggling today, seize the hope. The hope is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. He goes on to say, We have this hope as an anchor for our lives, safe and secure. Or some translations say, as an anchor for our souls. That's what I'm used to. I, that's the translation I originally knew, and so I'll say that instead of lives here. But we have this hope uh, as an anchor for our souls. So he says, seize the hope, and then he gives us a good worldly illustration for how we can view that hope. The hope that we have is like an anchor for our soul. It keeps us in place. Now, we understand anchors, most of us probably, if you've ever been in a boat before or even watched a show about a boat before, you understand the significance and the importance of an anchor. And the hope that we have is like an anchor. Now, when we talk about anchors... An anchor has to be something that is going to be able to carry a lot of weight. And by carry a lot of weight, I, I guess it's better to say hold a lot of weight into place. An anchor needs to be something that can hold all of the weight that it has to hold. No matter how much that boat weighs, the anchor has to be strong enough that when it is let down, that anchor can hold the boat into place. It needs to be something that can take all of the pressure. It can take all of the burden. It can take all of the pulling that's coming against it, and it can hold firm in place. And Jesus Christ is our hope, and He is the anchor for our soul. 
You want to talk about somebody that can hold the weight, Jesus Christ held the weight of the world on His shoulders when He was nailed to a cross. He is an anchor that did not budge when He felt all of the burden and all of the weight that was pressing down on Him. He was an anchor that did not budge. He did not move. He did not collapse. He did not waver under the weight of the sins of the world, your sins and my sins. So when we think about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and He is our anchor, we can go to Him and know that He is not going to crumble under the pressure. We can know that He's not going to waver to the right or to the left one millimeter. He is going to stand firm and He is going to stand true. And when Jesus Christ is our anchor and we grab a hold to Him, we will not be moved. Because Jesus is able to carry the burden. He's able to carry the load. The second thing when I think about an anchor is an anchor has to be light enough for us to handle. Now, you could say, okay, well, if we want to make sure our ship doesn't move, we want to get the biggest, baddest anchor we can. But if you've ever looked at anchors, if you've ever been fishing in a little boat before, you probably realize that the anchor that's in the boat, it isn't a huge, it isn't a huge thing. And usually it's not super heavy. That is, it's not so heavy that you can't manage it. It's an anchor that, 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 that goes with you. It's an anchor that you're able to put into the boat. It's an anchor that is with you wherever you go. And when the anchor is in the boat with you, it allows you to go wherever you need to go. But when it gets time to throw the anchor out, the anchor is something that's not a burden for you. The anchor is something that's there in an instant that you can chunk out and it's going to be there. Bloop! When it hits the bottom, it's going to hold you into place. The anchor is not something that's a burden to you. It's something that's always with you that's meant to be there in your time of need. And Jesus, our hope, our anchor, is like that. Jesus is not a burden for us. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have an anchor that goes into the boat. Now, before we accept Jesus Christ, we're just all like we're in the ocean and we're on boats and we're just sailing around wherever we can and we're wandering aimlessly. And even if we want to stop somewhere, we can't because we don't have an anchor. But once we accept Jesus Christ into our life and the Holy Spirit indwells in us and we have Jesus in us, boom, now we have the anchor in our soul. He's an anchor that's there for us. He's not an anchor that makes things difficult for us. He's not an anchor that puts a, a heavy yoke on us and makes us tug it around and lug it around and so heavy. And he says, well, I'll be there to be firm for you and to stand strong for you when you need me, but I'm going to put all of these other, other burdens and worries on you and I'll be your anchor, but you're going to have to lug me around all this time. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus is an anchor that's light. He says in His Word, He says, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For My yoke, uh, for my burden is easy, and My yoke is light. Jesus is strong enough to, to hold us into place no matter what we are going through, but He's also gentle enough that He's no burden for us. To follow Jesus and accept Jesus is no burden. To have Jesus in the boat with us at all times, knowing that we can, we can grab a hold to Him and He can be an anchor for us, there's no burden for us. He's, he's light to us. He's, he's easy for us. He's gentle to us. And the third thing when I was thinking about anchors is an anchor enables you to move uh, where you need to move while keeping you safe when you need to stop. Now, that's what Jesus does. Jesus allows us to go where we need to go when we need to go. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, guides us here. And He guides us there. 
And there are times in our lives that Jesus wants us to be in this place. And He wants us to be in this place. And Jesus allows us to do that. And a good anchor allows you to do that. A good anchor is not one that's so heavy that the boat can't move, the boat can't turn, the boat's going to capsize. A good anchor is one that's tucked away in the boat that allows the boat to go wherever it needs to go. But when the boat needs to stop, the anchor can be let down in an instant. Bam! And the boat can stop. It can keep you in a safe place. And when that anchor drops, you know that you're not going to move. You know that you can move where you need to move when you need to move, but you know that when you drop that anchor, you can stop where you need to stop. When you need safety, when you need security, when you see that a storm's coming, when you, when you, when you see that you don't need to be here or don't need to be there, bam, you drop that anchor. And it keeps you where you need to be. If you hold on to that anchor, if you drop that anchor, if you say, Lord Jesus, I need you to help me, as soon as we do that, He will help us. Too many times, oh, I don't think we drop anchor. We see bad situations coming. We see storms arising. And what do we do? We say, ah, I think I can make it through there. We think we can just paddle through them on our own. Ah, I don't need to stop for this. But what we need to do is say, nope, I see what's coming. Let me drop the anchor. Let me stop right here. Oftentimes, if we did that, we may would save ourselves a lot of trouble and a lot of bad times. Sometimes, I think we need to drop an anchor when it's a good time. Not just an anchor to keep us safe from what bad may be occurring, but an anchor to keep us in a good spot where we are. I don't go fishing with my dad very much, although he fishes a lot, but last time I went fishing with him, as he usually does, we, we, we kind of moved around here and there and there and there, and then finally he found a spot where the fish were, and as soon as he found that spot, bam, he dropped the anchor because that was a good spot. He wanted to stay there in a good spot. Now, spiritually speaking, don't we want to be in good relationship with Jesus Christ? Don't we want to stay there? Don't we want to be in God's Word? Don't we want to be communicating with Him through prayer? Don't we want to just feel His joy? And when we get there, don't we all want to just we, we want to just drop anchor? We should. We shouldn't just say, oh, well, this is a good spot I'm in, but I'm just going to keep sailing and go over here where it's not going to be so good. Instead, when we get in a good spot with Jesus Christ and our relationship with Him is good, then we need to work on building that relationship and growing in Him and say, Lord Jesus, I want to stay right here where you are because it's good here. Drop anchor. And that hope that we have in Jesus Christ gives us safety and security. It, it, it puts us right where we need to be. It's not a burden for us. We know it's an anchor that can hold because Jesus has already took all of the burden on our behalf. For, verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for our lives, safe and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Now, he switches gears. He uses this language about it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Where, where, does, where does this come from all of a sudden? He's making a connection for the people. He's made the connection that a promise was coming. God has fulfilled that promise. That promise is coming through Jesus Christ, as we will see in the next verse. He ties it all together. And, he, and, he, and he's leading up to this by saying, look, we have a hope, and that hope is an anchor, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an anchor for our soul that's going to keep us safe and secure. And this anchor that he's talking about, it says it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Now, in the Old Testament and, and even into the New Testament before Jesus died, there was a sanctuary there, and there was a hold, the most holy place, and the high priest would go there and offer sacrifices. He would go behind this curtain and offer sacrifices for the people. 
Now the author of Hebrews, as the book continues, is making that point that Jesus has done that once and for all. He has gone behind the curtain. He has made the sacrifice. And that's why when Jesus died on the cross, it tells us upon his death that the veil was torn because the high priest had gone behind the veil. He had made the sacrifice once and for all. And that is Jesus Christ. He is our hope. He is our anchor. And who is this anchor? Well, the anchor, as Hebrews says, is the one who is going to enter the sanctuary behind the curtain. And then who is this one that he's been talking about this whole time? Well, we already know who it is in verse 20. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, we won't get into Melchizedek today, but I'll be happy to talk to you about him sometime if you want to. But Jesus is the anchor for our soul. He is the one who was promised. He is the fulfillment of the promise. He is the one who has offered the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. He is the one that took the burden of your sins and my sins, and he never batted an eye. He never for a second thought about coming well maybe he did i don't know what he thought while he was on the cross but i know he didn't come off the cross whatever was going through his mind whatever burden he had whatever pain he was going through i know this he did not come off of that cross he held that burden he took that pain and he did it for you and i i don't know what you may be going through or may not be going through maybe you're in a good time right now with jesus and you just want to drop anchor and you want to say, Jesus, I want to stay right here with you. I'm going to cling to you. I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to continue to grow in you. If you're in that spot, praise the Lord. Maybe you're in a bad spot. Maybe you feel like you're wandering aimlessly. Maybe you feel like you're in the middle of a storm and you're being tossed here and there. Guess what? Jesus can give you hope. You hold on to Jesus. You, you just come to Him. You pray to Him. You, re you recognize Him as your anchor. You say, Lord Jesus, I'm putting you down. I'm going to let you hold me firm. I'm going to let you hold me strong. I'm going to let you take, take my burdens. I'm going to let you take my worries. I'm going to let you take my fears. And however long I'm in this storm, I'm going to hold on to you. Because the storm may not be over today. It may not be over tomorrow. And it may not be over next week. But I can guarantee you one thing. If you're holding on to Jesus, He's going to get you through the storm. You'll come out of that storm and, the, and everything will be much more beautiful on the other side. I don't know what your anchor may be. I don't know what you're holding on to. But if you're not holding on to Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you it's not going to hold. Only Jesus Christ is a firm anchor for your soul that can keep you safe and keep you secure. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for these words. And I pray, God, that we'd make Jesus the anchor in our life. If there are some that hasn't already done so, dear Lord, maybe there are some in here that are yours. And maybe they, they've already accepted Jesus, but maybe they're trying to do it on their own. And maybe they are just in a, in a spot of worry or fear or sin or whatever it may be. God, I pray that they would just cling to Jesus right now, that they would stop where they are, that they would drop anchor right here, that they wouldn't, that they wouldn't give in to the worry, they wouldn't give in to the sin, they wouldn't give in to the fear, but instead they would hold tight to Jesus Christ. God, maybe there are some in here that's just like a boat just wandering aimlessly around the sea that... that don't have an anchor, dear Lord. They don't have an anchor in the boat to throw out. And God, I pray that they would realize today that that anchor is Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, that they, would, uh, that they could come to Him. That, that by asking for forgiveness of sins, but by accepting what Jesus did on the cross, dear Lord, that He can be the anchor in their life, dear Lord. 
that he can give them the hope and security that they need, that he can be with them through the deepest, darkest days, that he can, he can keep them held down in the good days and he can keep them held sturdy on the tough days. And I pray, God, that if there's one that's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they would do so today, that they would accept that he is your son, that they would accept that he died on a cross for the forgiveness of their sins, that he would, they would accept that he has uh, arose again on the third day, and God, that they would uh, just just give their heart to you, dear Lord, and that they would just let us know, God, that they would let me know after the service that they followed Jesus, and God, that they would follow through in baptism. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.